Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with Lewis Chopper. What's up, Lewis? What is going on, my man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So um, I was going to go ahead and go through the list of different things that Lewis does, but I asked him to do it because he's got quite a list of, in my opinion, super cool um, companies that he runs. And, you know, if you've ever talked to Lewis, you know that he is the coolest dude that one of the coolest guys I've ever talked to in my life. Like, you know, we spent, I think we spent what, two hours on the phone the other night or on here the other night, which was really just kind of an introduction. But I just want, you know, the audience to know, like you guys are in for a really, really, really amazing story today. So it's going to be super special and I'm excited. So Lewis, tell us all about, you know, what companies that you, uh, or what businesses that you that you run, and and let's just kind of go into your story and and some some of the things that got you to where you are and all that good stuff. Yeah, brother, happy to man, and, and thanks again for having me on your show. Um, I kind of have to live up to that intro, right? <laughs> I, don't <know laughs> I don't think I'm that cool, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm a physician by trade you know that, that's that's kind of where everything uh stems from is uh, i'm a doctor by trade my specialty is emergency medicine um and then you know as far as the companies go uh i'll, I'll sort of put them in, in chronological order in, in terms of when i when i started them became involved um the first one was uh my medical scribe uh, documentation company called provider's choice scribe services that i started in 2013 um so second. what does that do what, what do you mind yeah. me just, let me just interrupt really quick can you tell us can you just paint a little quick picture of what medical scribe does yeah so so it is actually a really cool job man really cool thing for for these kids and i say kids because you know 
majority of my employees are in their late teens, maybe early 20s, mid 20s at the latest. Uh, and what it is, is these, these scribes, these employees of mine, is they follow around providers in different various medical settings. So whether it's the emergency room, clinics, specialty clinics, operating rooms, hospitalist settings, um, that kind of thing. And what they do is they follow the, the providers, which are the physicians, the nurse practitioners, physician assistants around, and they do all their documentation for them in real time so that by the time any given provider is done seeing a patient and they walk out of that room, their note is essentially done. So what it does is it allows the provider to be more efficient, more effective, allows them to see more patients, allows them to devote their entire time that they're having that interaction with that patient strictly to that patient rather than writing down notes or doing a chart and trying to get it done while they're actually uh, at encounter. So it, it's, uh, it, it greatly improves the, the communication between the provider and their patient and improves the patient experience because the patient actually feels like the, the doc or whoever is seeing them is actually listening to them. Uh, and so what these scribes do is they, they do all that documentation again in real time um, and are, are very heavily trained in, in, in medical terminology and in all the other jargon that goes on in there. Um, and, and they just, they do their thing, man. They make our lives as, as doctors and providers a whole lot easier in the settings that we're in. You know what I've always often found, you know, back when I owned my personal training company, a lot of my clients were, were physicians. Um, and so they would often tell me that they would have, you know, stacks of charts at the end of the day that they would have to go through and, and chart, you know, what happened in the patient with that patient that day, if they prescribe medication, so on and so forth. And I often wonder like, wow, how do you remember all of, I mean, you know, if, how, how do you remember that many conversations? Because I think typically right now, a doc, you know, let's just say a primary care physician, I think they see 15 minute increments. So if you do take that over a eight or nine hour day, that's, I actually can't do the math. So it's, I don't know, about several, a lot, 25 clients, 25, 30, 40 patients. And that's a lot of, you know, if you have to go through that stack of patients, that's a lot of stuff to remember. Well, you're right. It's, it's a crazy amount of stuff to remember. Quite honestly, a lot of shit gets forgotten um, or, or, you know, isn't accurately recalled. And so sometimes it's not put into the, um, you know, the chart right when it's done in that setting. And, and you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a very big thing. It's a, it's one of the biggest uh, bonuses that come from working with a properly trained medical scribe. Uh, I actually just had a, a big meeting this morning with my management team. And one of the things we were talking about was one of our new clients that I brought on. Uh, probably about a, a month ago, maybe a little over a month, uh, in a specialty clinic who had never had scribes before. And one of her biggest concerns or her biggest issues uh, was that, you know, she was seeing patients all day, would finally get out of the office around 6 p.m. and then had to go home and finish her charting for another two to three hours afterwards. And so, you know, while she was at home, she wasn't really home. And she actually just emailed me this morning saying thank you. And what she was saying was that since we've started with her, she's able to see even more patients than she was seeing before and is leaving the office by, at the latest, 4 p.m. And when she leaves, she's done. Her, her work is done at work, and she can actually go home and be present 
with her family and be involved with her family without having to work about or worry about getting caught up with the, the, the documentation that she needed to do for the day's work. Uh, and so it's vastly improved her quality of life, improved her, her flow through her clinic, and is allowing her to see more patients at the same time. So it, it's, it's cool, man. It's good, good when I get that kind of feedback. Um, and, you know, the, speaking from personal experience, when I use scribes in the emergency rooms, now I, I, I can walk in and any shift and pick up eight charts at one time, go see all eight of my patients, come back to my desk, and all my notes are done. You know, and I didn't have to remember every little detail that I spoke with that, you know, patient one about by the time that I got finished with patient eight, because my scribe had already documented everything. And if I needed to recall it, it was right there for me. I didn't have to sit back and try to figure it out or go re-ask the question. So it's a cool thing, really cool thing for providers. It's a, it's a great thing for patients. And it's an amazing thing for these, these kids, these, these you know, young adults that are, are taking on this position because it gives them such great firsthand experience um, in the medical field. And it, at least in my company, I tend to hire on those that are more interested in going into something health-wise or health-related. So, you know, most of them are pre-med or, you know, trying to get into nursing school, PA school, nurse practitioner school, dental school. Um, and they tend to get the most out of this kind of a job. And yet essentially they are getting paid to have, to shadow a provider, you know, and get that sort of firsthand experience and firsthand exposure um, in a real world, real life, real time setting, uh, which it wasn't around when I was, when I was in, in, in undergrad, and it would have been a really cool job for me, but it's, it's a great job. And I'm, I'm fortunate to have the, uh, the opportunity and the ability to offer this sort of a position to. to it just made me think of something. I think, you know, when you were saying, you know, about the students or the, or the, you know, the young folks that are in med school or, or nursing school, it also really reinforces a lot of knowledge for them. If you think about it, because yes, they're getting that experience with the doctor, but then not only that, but they're also writing it down. So you, and I'm sure you know that, you know, I don't know what the percentage of remembering stuff is when you write it down, but it's pretty high compared to, hearing something and not writing it down. Sure. So they're getting yep. you know, an education. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And it's, it, um, you know, when they actually do make that transition into that professional career, that, you know, that path, it makes it that much easier for them because it's not their first exposure to it, you know? And, and quite honestly, it, it, a lot of times helps them make the decision on, you know, is this truly something that I want to do for the rest of my life? Is this truly a profession that I want to pursue? Or do I really not like being here and I, I should choose something else? You know, it's, it's a great thing because it works both ways. It, it lets those that, that are really in love with medicine and want to pursue it and reinforce their decision to do that and con- to commit that type of time and, and, and the money that goes into you know, going down that path. Uh, but also for those other ones, it allows them to make this decision on, you know, this really isn't what it, I, I thought it was going to be. And it helps them make that decision to where they can say, hey, you know what? This is a cool job. I love doing it, but I, you know, medicine just isn't for me. I, I'd rather go a different track. And you know, imagine how much heartache that saves for those that didn't have that opportunity and decided to go through the whole track of medicine. And then eight years down the line, ten years down the line, they figure out, well, shit, I don't even like this at all. I'd rather do something else. You know, and it saves them that time and still give them a really cool experience. Well, you know? and the mut and the money to go to medical school. Yeah. 
gosh. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're saying if you save people eight to 10 years and hundreds of thousands of dollars, I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. All right. So that's just one of the things that you, that you do. So um, that's super cool, by the way. I think that is super, super, super cool. Um, And I think the more people find out about that, you're going to be bombarded with business. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. It's cool, man. It's, it's a fun thing. The company has grown a lot. It's a, it's, it's a really cool thing. It's been a lot of fun. You know, that's, that's my baby. That's the one that I started off with on this whole entrepreneur journey. And, you know, I, I made most of my mistakes with that company because it was, you know, again, my first one. And, and you know, it's, it's taught me a lot about a lot about business, a lot about myself, a lot about what I like and what I enjoy. And, and it's, it's sort of set the tone for everything else that I've done since. And so it's, it's great, man. It's a, it's a really cool thing. And, I love that company. So that's awesome. That is awesome. And so, all right. So this, what's, uh, what's one of the next, uh, what's your next one? Yeah. So emergency room that I opened up, they're called freestanding emergency rooms. And so they function just as any emergency room does in a hospital setting, uh, just on its own. And, and I will only speak for mine because yeah, that's the only place that I've been in terms of these. Um, but we do things a whole lot quicker, a whole lot faster, and a lot more pleasant environment um, than you would get in a hospital setting. Uh, so I started that company with two partners back at the end of 2015. It's called Prestige Emergency Room. We actually just opened up our third location this past Monday. Uh, Sweet, congratulations. And, thank you. and uh, had some good patient flow coming in right off the bat. Our, our locations are all doing really, really good. Um, I have great partners. Uh, my, you know, my two partners that I started this with are, are great partners. I wouldn't trade them for anybody else. And, uh, it's been a, a, a great, uh, great voyage for us going down this, this emergency room thing. And then, you know, that branched into us opening up our own urgent cares as well. So we have this another company called Alamo City Urgent Care here in San Antonio that we've opened up a few locations at that are doing amazing. Um, so yeah, as far as as far as those go, that you know, those, those kind of go hand in hand with each other because we just sort of branched off the other one but formed a different company with it. Sure. Um, they, I would have I was gonna say I would have been if you would have had one near me, I would have been your patient this past Saturday. Uh, yeah. Uh, I sat into a I got into the sauna, which I do often, uh, at the gym at Lifetime, and dude, I don't know what happened. Like just completely, I, I evidently I blacked out and passed out in the sauna and the ambulance had to come and get me. I had no idea. It was the weirdest thing. Uh-huh. And next thing I know, I wake up and I'm in the emergency room. Like no idea. Anyway, um, that's, that's super cool. So how many urgent cares do you have? Uh, well, urgent cares, we have two urgent cares. So we have three emergency rooms, two urgent cares now. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Okay. All right. All right. And so your next one, the next one is, uh, I'm trying to think which, what the order is. Um, like I said, it would be PC threads. 
that's that's uh, the medical scrub uh, medical apparel company that I started back in 2018 was when it, I sort of formed it. Um, brought on two partners to come do this with me. One of them is one of our fellow Arte brothers, uh, Alex Spinoso, Dr. Spinoso, and the other one's a good buddy of mine uh, here in San Antonio with me. The company is based out of here in San Antonio, so all of the, the uh, you know, shipping, all the handling, everything gets done here, the orders are taken here, uh, all the packaging, and it, it essentially comes right out of here in San Antonio. Um, Started that one in 2018, but didn't actually open it or launch it until, uh, I believe it was August of 19. And it's when we, we you know, quote unquote, went live with the company and, and introduced it to the to the world. So um, my last one is, is a company called Chocolatso. It's a uh, chocolate company here in San Antonio. And that is the one that I kind of came into that was already established. I didn't actually start that one, which is different from all my other companies. Uh, but Chocolatso is a, a really cool, it's, it's a cool chocolate company, man. I don't eat a lot of sweets, uh, but it's a really cool thing. It's, it's fun being involved with it. Um, it was started by a good buddy of mine and his wife, Frank and Mary Colazzo. And uh, that's where the name comes from, Chocolatso. And so, ah. uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm always a big proponent of investing in yourself before you invest in somebody else. I'm just fortunate enough to be at the point where I can invest in, in other people or other things now um but that was sort of my first go down that alley uh with investing in somebody else and and one of the main reasons that i did that is because i trusted frank a lot you know frank and i met back in gosh i want to say 2012 or so uh working fights together it's another thing that i do is i work fights here in texas but um he and i were working fights together and right when i was starting my scribe company he was starting his chocolate company and he was doing it as a the only dessert food truck in San Antonio. And um, so we were kind of going through the growing pains of, of having a brand new company and never done one before, me on the scribe end, him on the chocolate end. And uh, every time we would meet at fights, we would talk about you know, different different issues we were having, different wins we were having, that kind of stuff. And um, when I started opening, when I opened up my first emergency room, I used his truck as a, you know, for our grand opening and, and they get treats out at the, at our spot and afterwards I, I you know met him again and I said hey man you know if y'all are ever interested in expanding uh let me know if, if you'd you know, like to bring on a partner and, and uh go from there so they hit me up man we we have two brick and mortars now here in San Antonio and very affluent locations um that are doing really really good our our media is really cool because it's so different from anything that I do you know I have photo shoots for my scrubs we have photo shoots for our chocolates, and so it's way different. Than our, we have <laughs> taking pictures and desserts, taking pictures, uh, as opposed to me having live people taking pictures. It's a lot easier with the chocolates. Uh, sure. Right now, it's just a, it's a really cool thing. So it's it's been a lot of fun. So what kind of chocolate? Like, is what makes the chocolate uh, different? What makes it good? What makes it different? Uh, yeah. You so know. you know, our our chocolatier is Mary. Mary is is uh, again one of the owners, Frank's wife. And uh, she's the one that, that did all the sort of training to, to get into this position to create it. Our main sellers right now, our big thing is our truffles. Uh, we, we sell various types of flavored truffles that she uh, gets very creative with in, in terms of the flavoring that comes with them and, and the, the, the markings on them that make them so visually appealing. 
Um, but we also have other desserts as well. You know, we have we have different sort of, of uh, moon pies or oatmeal cream pies and, and just different things like that, different kinds of cakes that they make. Um, all stuff that I honestly don't know much about and didn't know much about until I got into the company. And even still, man, I go back there and I'll watch her work and she does her magic and I'm like, you know, blown away with it. So it's, it's just a really cool thing, man. I, I love having those talks with, with Frank uh, when we meet uh, in terms of business talks because it's a different kind of talk. It's a different kind of, you know, strategizing as opposed to me strategizing for my scribe company or strategizing for the emergency rooms or even for the scrubs or the urgent cares. It's very different when we're talking about selling chocolate to, to people in San Antonio throughout the country. Um, but it's a very cool thing to be able to, to have my experience and share it with Frank uh, and Mary in terms of, well, how do we, you know, which way do we go to make chocolate so as successful as they can be? And, and you know, Mary, Mary's the heart of the company. She's uh, the backbone of the company. Frank is, Frank is right there with her, and, and I'm, I'm just lucky enough to be involved with it. So it's, it's cool. So is it so you said you've got a couple of brick and mortars with the chocolate store? Do you also do online or or how or we do we do online? We're actually doing a big online thing this year. Uh, we we just had a big talk about it recently. Uh, as far as this year, that being our aim, because the the brick and mortars are doing so well um, that it's now it's time for us to be able to branch out and, and devote a little bit more time and, and funding into creating a heavier online presence. Very cool. But people yeah. can order it now online. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're just not heavily promoting it online. Right. We're not heavily promoting it yet. Okay, cool. All right. So you mentioned the fights. Uh, yeah. You got to hit on that for a moment because I think a lot of people listening are thinking, I think that's super cool. Not that yeah. the other things are not. <laughs> yeah. That's fun, man. That, that's just, it, it, there's really no other way to put it other than that's some fun shit to do. Um, I've been a big fan of combative sports since you know, I can remember and, um, you know, did, did a lot of training with, with Muay Thai and that kind of stuff. And, and I went to, uh, I was doing Muay Thai training in medical school. And then once residency started, it was a little too busy for me to be able to bring that into uh, my, my current schedule. And I had actually gone to, to watch one of my friends fight at a local fight where I was training and I, remember, I was sitting there in the stands and um, I saw these two docks that were down ringside and I said, well, shit, I, I wonder if I could do that, you know, or let me do that. So after those fights, I contacted one of them and I said, Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Lewis Chapa. I'm an ER resident here in town. I'd love to shadow you. Would you, would you uh, be okay with me shadowing you? This dude told me no. And he just straight up said, I want you here. And I saw badass. So I called the other doctor, right? So I called the other guy, same pitch, told him, hey, man, you know, I, I'm an ER resident here in town. I'd love to shadow you. Uh, I'm really interested in the sports. And he said, yeah, man, come on. Yeah, next one we have, you're, you're more than welcome to be there with me. And so then from there, it just kind of bloomed, man. It, um, you know, the, the state got really comfortable with me being there. They realized that with my specific emergency medicine training, I was very well equipped to handle essentially anything and everything that happened there in the ring and outside of the ring. Um, and so they, they started calling me specifically. I got a license here in the state to, to be a licensed ringside physician. And then they just started calling me. I started this back in 2008. So I've been doing it for a decent amount of time. And now they call me for, you know, the bigger fights as well. Uh, here in, in, in Texas, I, I just finished working the last UFC fight, the last pay-per-view fight that came uh, about two weeks ago to Houston. 
Um, I'm leaving this weekend to go do a, a boxing pay-per-view matchup in Dallas at the new Cowboys training facility. Uh, so it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. I, I get to do, you know, talk with the fighters one-on-one -on -one when I do their physicals the day before the fights. I'm there the day of the fights, ringside with them. If I need to get called into the ring, they'll call me to the ring. Otherwise, I'll see them after the fights uh, in the back away from everybody else and wow. just you know, go from there. So it's cool. A lot of fun. I bet. So what, you know, what's the most common thing that you see, uh, you know, during these fights? Let's just say the UFC because that's probably a little more, um, uh, I don't know the right term, brutal uh, or whatever. What do you see that, what is the most common thing that you see that you have to look for to make a decision on whether this person should continue or not? So you're talking about during the fights? Um, yeah, so during yeah. the fights, if they come to the ring, usually that's what they're asking, right? Can this guy continue? Can he not continue? Most of the time when they call you in there for that, it's because they have a cut somewhere on their face that they're saying, is it bad enough? Is it obstructing their vision enough that they can't continue? I need you to make that call. You know, and so I'll go in there, see where it's at, see where it's located. There's a lot of things that kind of go into that decision. Um, sure. What's affecting? Is it affecting their vision? If it is affecting their vision, then pretty much hands down, the the, the fight's going to end up getting called because if, if it's affecting their vision, then it's, it's not a fair fight, you know, and it, it becomes dangerous for the fire even more so than, you know, than just being in there in general. Um, outside of the ring, you know, when I see them after the fights, that's when I have to make the decision. Is this guy okay to, for me to just check him out here? He can go to his locker room and then they can go home afterwards and they can fly wherever they got to fly to go back home or, does this guy actually need to go to the hospital right now? Do we got to send him in the ambulance to go get seen over there? You know, most of the injuries that we see there are, I mean, obviously there's, there's head injuries, you know, they get hit in the head a lot of that kind of stuff. There's broken bones. Um, they need to get evaluated. We need to get x-rays on to see if they are fractured. Uh, lacerations are a big thing, uh, especially in MMA. You'd be surprised. I actually get probably more lacerations in boxing than I do with MMA. Um, hmm. The reason for that, the reason I think for that is because generally in boxing, you're, you're getting pounded in the face nonstop the entire time. You know, it's, it's, most of the times that's where you're getting hit is in the face. Uh, but with MMA, there's so many other ways for you to lose or for you to win a fight. You know, there's submissions, there, there, there's, there's your ground game, there, there's all this kind of stuff. You're not essentially just losing because you're getting knocked out. You can lose in other ways as well, you know. Sure. Um, and so, uh, granted, I get lacerations in both. It's just... I think probably the ones that I've had the most have always been in boxing. Yeah, you know, they got those guys, especially when I'm working pro fights or the bigger fights, they've been doing it for quite some time and they got a lot of scar tissue uh, that, that splits the skin very easily. And so it, you know, it just, it happens. Yeah. Wow. Like so um, do you have a preference of which one you like, uh, like, being ringside than the other boxing or or the MMA? Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of both, but I, I would have to lean more towards MMA. Yeah. I, I'm just a bigger fan of that sport. You know, when I'm there as a physician, I'm not there as a fan, even though it, it's really cool being there. It's really cool seeing these guys that you only see on TV and talking to them. But, in, you know, when I'm there, it's a job, and, and i got to be there to, to take care of them, make sure that everybody's health is, is, you know, sort of my biggest interest at that time. Uh, so 
it, it is a job. Even when I'm there, it's, it's a job. You know, I mean, there's stuff that I got to think about. There's stuff that I got to take into account, um, you know, when I'm there and making these decisions. But, you know, as far as being a fan, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bigger fan of MMA than I am of boxing. Even though I love boxing. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I, um, my, my, my best friend loves, he loves MMA. And I think I may have told you this. He, he hosts a fight at this bar in Atlanta every, every time there's a pay-per-view fight. And like, you know, he, he, I never really got into it. I don't know why I just didn't. Um, but I've always found it super interesting, especially with Conor McGregor, and I'll tell you why. Um, it's not because he's this, not because of his record or whatever, but his mindset. His mindset's so different, I think, than a lot of the other guys, and I think that's why he's won as many times as he's won. No, you're right, man. They're, they're good. You, you got to be confident going in there. I think most fighters are confident. Just some are. Some are very confident in, in their capabilities and their training. And regardless of how much they talk or regardless of how, you know, this, this sort of persona that they give off to everybody, um, you can generally tell who truly believes in themselves and who's really worried about that fight, you know. And, you know, Connor, it, you know, love him or hate him, Connor's a great fighter. He just, he really is, you know. I mean, he made it to the top because he's a great fighter. Uh, he probably got there a little quicker than most people because he talks a great game too. Uh, and he sells tickets, but he's a great fighter. And, um, you know, I think he kind of, as far as his mindset goes, I think his mindset kind of went away from what got him there. And that's when he started having all the issues recently with all the other stuff that had been going on in his life. Um, but if you see his last fight that he had against Cowboy, you know, he, he had talked about, having a different mindset going into it. He's, you know, he's, he's back to what got him there, that kind of thing. But if you look at who was in the ring after that fight, aside from his family and his coaches and his team, that guy had Tony Robbins there, man. And, and I think that that probably made a world of difference when, you know, he was getting back on the right track of, of being who he needed to be to get him back to where he wanted to be. And it was getting in that that right mindset of his. And, you know, leading up to that fight, he didn't talk a lot of shit because he has a lot of respect for, for Cowboy. But he was very, very confident in in what was going to happen and how quick it was going to happen. And it happened quick. So, he, you know, he did his thing. He's, he's, he's a good guy. And his, I think his mind is probably back now where it needs to be for him to, to get back to where, you know, he, he once was. Sure. You know, I often wonder, like, I, I often wonder, like, what, what are the implications down the road for these guys that have been kicked and hit that many times? I mean, you just take one fight, right? I mean, I can't imagine how many times to get kicked and hit in the face and the head. But then somebody that's had a career like Connor or whoever, um, that, that, how, how does that implicate it, it impl implicate their life down the down the road yeah you know so if you're talking specifically about mma mma compared to like boxing well i don't know just both maybe well yeah you know but but mma is still very much in its infancy right compared to the duration that boxing has been around and so when people want to do studies on what's more dangerous you know is, is boxing more dangerous is mma more dangerous 
it's it's hard to compare the two because they haven't been around the same amount of time. You know, if you look at boxing, yeah, I mean, there there, there are long term effects that come from it. Right? I mean, it's just like football. There's long term effects from getting hit like that and getting concussions. Um, you look at Muhammad Ali, right? I mean, Muhammad Ali had had Parkinson's, and they, you know, a lot of the experts thought that it was due to the repetitive trauma that he was having to his head and you know, repetitive brain trauma uh, from all his fights. Um, and it, you know, it is it is a dangerous sport. I mean, you hear fighters. You know, I mean, unfortunately, you hear about those fighters that do pass away in the ring from just getting that perfect hit that caused something to happen, caused them to get a bleed and too much swelling and, and you know they couldn't be saved it's it, it, it truly is a dangerous sport um and I, I i think you know the 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 sort of end result on you know what happens down the line i, I think it's probably going to be pretty close to hand in hand with the same trauma that again football players have you know it's just that's been around a whole lot longer than mma has and so it's easier to be studied and it's easier to say oh this was caused by or it wasn't caused by CTE or he acted like this because of the damage that was done, you know, in the years past. And, you know, it's, I, I think it's a risk that, that these athletes take, you know, and they know going into it very well what, what can happen down the line. But, you know, I mean, it, it kind of goes with, with anything, right? If you want it bad enough, you're willing to accept the sacrifice or willing to, to make the sacrifices and to accept the consequences that come with it, right? I mean, it's almost like, I mean, I don't want to compare having some sort of huge medical problem to, to the shit we go through with business, but you know, I mean, it, it's any decision that you make, if you want it bad enough, like you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur bad enough, well, you're going to have to accept the consequences of, yeah, things can be great or they can be shit or it's going to be anywhere in between and you're going to get both, you know, and yeah. um, that's, that's the way that it goes. You know, I mean, it's almost like with, with me when I had that sort of epiphany of, you know, when, when I decided I was going to start doing something, um, it was a risk, you know, it was a risk and, and it was, it was a monetary risk. And it was, I mean, you and I had that talk on, you know, how I started and, and the shit that I went through for that first company. And that's why I saved my baby because it put me through the most shit. Um, but it, you know, it's just sort of a, a, a calculated risk that you take going into it. And I think that's what these athletes do. You know, I mean, they, they love the sport. They love the, the, the competition that comes with it. And, and the journey of getting to trying to get to the top and they, they take that risk. Sure. So I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about a little bit um, about some of the things that you did go through starting, you know, the first company and, and the risks that you took and, and, and the, you know, the, the, the shit and the, the great, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah, man. Um, and that's, that's what I think is probably the most fun part. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not really the end result. It's, it's weird because, you know, you'll work and work and work to get a contract or to get some sort of a customer. And it finally happens. And then it's like, all right, great. Let's work for the next one. It's not really a big celebration. It's everything that led up to it that actually meant more, you know. And, and yeah, starting off, man, you know, I was, I was fresh out of residency. So I hadn't even been out practicing on my own for a year. I was six months out of residency, just yeah, finished graduating moved up to San Antonio and was working in the emergency rooms. And I remember I was working, uh, it was a Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve. It was a night shift and I was in one of the busiest yards here in San Antonio. And I was getting my ass kicked, man. Just, I was the only, only doc in that, in that ER. And it was sick patient after sick patient, uh, nonstop. It was a relentless night. And I, I remember I, 
I had to take a, a two minute break to go take a leak. And I remember looking in the mirror thinking, man, you know, I'm, I'm here busting my ass doing this. And the guy that owns this company is at home asleep right now. And he's going to enjoy Christmas tomorrow morning because, you know, when he wakes up with his family, he's going to be there with his family. And I'm here busting my ass for his company. I'm making a good living, but I'm not making his living right now. And, and you know, so I remember I, I went home that morning on Christmas morning and before the kids got up, I told my wife, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure out some way where I don't have to work for somebody else the rest of my life. I'm going to do something that's going to let me make those decisions. Um, I don't know when it'll happen, but it's going to happen. And, you know, that's when I started the first company. So that was probably in two, the end of 2010. And I started my first company in 2013 was when I actually launched it. And I believe it was in maybe April of May of 13. And I did not get my first customer until February of 14. Um, and in between that time, man, it was, I was, you know, still a full-time physician, still, uh, working my shifts in the emergency rooms throughout town. And, and um, but if there was ever a, a potential customer that was, was coming along and, and agreed to meet with me, um, and if I had a shift schedule to work that day, well, then it was, I can't pass up this potential customer or they're going to tell me no, but I got to go there and try. And man, I would, I would have to pay somebody to work in the ER with me. One of the other docs, I'd say, Hey man, you know, I got a shift on this day. I'll pay you $2,000 to work it. They would say, okay. So then I would pay them $2,000 to work that shift, but miss out on the you know potential $3,000 for working the shift that I gave up all to go meet with a customer that more than likely was going to end up telling me, <laughs> you know, and man, I did that for forever. And, and that, that affected, you know, affected me because to make up for that shift, I would have to pick up an additional loan, which meant that I wasn't going to be at home with my family more so because I was picking up an extra day to make up for the day that I was out trying to go make my first customer or get a first customer for that Scribe company. And, and I think I told you before, man, you know, it was, it was an idle for me because you know before before going down that entrepreneur journey I was never told no ever you know in, in terms of you know this gradual progress of life right and being a profession it was you know okay you you, you want you want to go to medical school you got to do great in undergrad be great in undergrad right got into medical school for sure probably great got into medical school okay well now you got to do great because you're going to go into residency and if you want to get into a competitive residency you have to do great in medical school get great in medical school got into my residency right residency you do your thing you, you put in your time it's it's fucking time you put in your time and you're already a physician so you're already kind of giving orders even though some of you at least at the very beginning you don't know what the fuck you're doing um, you're still giving your orders um and then you finish and then boom all of a sudden you're a doctor out in the real world done with all your training every order that you give you know with you know, maybe some exceptions is okay yeah that's your order you're going in Nobody ever told me no, right? It was just, boom, I did this, did this, just progressed, progressed, progressed. Then I got to the whole entrepreneur thing. I'm going to start my first company. Well, fuck, it sure didn't go as easy as this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, those no's, those no's were probably more important than all the yeses that I got, you know, because those no's trained me to, to, to get that thick skin, to get that bring that determination and will out to succeed at least in that, that this realm 
more than anything else. And, you know, I still get told no, but I get told yes a whole lot more than I, I, I get told no now, you know? And so, um, it's, it's, it's been a long journey and, and that's the part that a lot of people don't see. Nobody sees it, right? I mean, I really don't ever tell that story about me having to pay people and pretty much essentially being out $5,000 to go talk to somebody that was going to tell me no anyways for my scribe company. Um, but man, I don't know how many times I did that, how much money I paid out doing that. It had to at least been 20 times that I did that. And you know, it's, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real struggle. It's, it's, it's rough. And you know, not only does that whole entrepreneur thing affect you and that journey affect you, but then it affects your family. And, um, you know, you, you either have to adapt and, 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 you know, put in that, put in the work that needs to get done to make it happen. And it's those that, that, that truly believe it's just going to come to them that fucking fail, you know, and, and it's those that are able to, to grind it out and, and have that grit that will succeed. And it's those other ones that, that just can't stomach it. They want, not, not that it's, there's anything wrong with it. You know I mean? You know, this whole thing is, is, it, some people are, are built for it. Some people are, are okay with putting up all those or going through all those risks and, and, you know, making the sacrifices and sacrificing your family for it. And some people just aren't and they're happy with things being however they want to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, who are you? Right. Right. Well, and you know, you hit on something that's super, that's super important is that, you know, your family, you know, you, you can't be, a successful, I shouldn't say you can't, maybe you can. I don't know a lot of, of successful entrepreneurs that at some point their, their family life didn't take a hit or their kids didn't take a hit because, you know, I, I'm sure you've read the book, Tim Grover's Relentless. Yep. And he, talk, he talks about explicitly in there that if you're going to be a cleaner, that something is always going to be affected either it's either your wife or your kids or whatever something you have to you're going to have to trade something up if you want that i think that's what you're talking about so how was you know how did it affect your were you in were you married at the time i assume you were yeah yeah okay we, were, we got married that, in three yeah um but yeah, man, it affected everybody, you know, and, and if you think about, you know, who, who had it rough or who had it the worst, and, and you think about it in that way, it's different, you know, it's different for everybody, it's different for everybody that went through it. Um, you know, when, when you talk, let's, let's talk about my, the emergency rooms, you know, when, when we started that with my, when I started that with my two partners, um, it was rough, man, and, and nobody really wanted to take a chance on us because it was just us three. Right? So no bank wanted to give us a loan. It's a multi-million dollar loan. Nobody wanted us to to have their property or build on their property or use their building because they didn't trust the model. It was a new thing um, until one bank, you know, finally said yes to us. But our agreement, our part of our agreement was we would not pay ourselves. I say we, myself, my two partners, we would not pay ourselves a penny until we could pay ourselves a penny. So that working capital for us wasn't in the loan that we were able to get from this bank. And um, so what that meant was not only did it's a, it's an emergency room, so it's a 24 seven facility. Not only did one of us have to be there all the time, but we still had to work somewhere to make money, you know, and, right. and, feed the family and pay the bills, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 
And so when we first started, man, what we ended up doing, and, and it worked out better for us because it allowed us to make money, is that we would do 96-hour shifts. So, you know, if I went in on a Monday morning, um, I wouldn't get out until Friday morning. And, and me and I didn't get out. I didn't get out. You know, I was at my facility 24 hours a day for those 96 hours, uh, eating, sleeping, if we could sleep, and, and seeing patients and trying to get some exercise in the time. But what that did is that allowed us, when we got out, to have eight days off. Eight days where we could actually go work somewhere else and make money. You know, I just right. not making any money, uh, but, and I still needed to make money. And so I would generally work about at least seven out of those eight days in the hospital around town, picking up shifts, uh, so that I could still pay my bills at home, still feed my family. Um, and so we did that for about 18 months or a year and a half, but we didn't pay ourselves a penny. And we essentially worked every day of the year. Um, and like really, you know, people say, Oh, I work all the time. That's great. Right? And there's nothing wrong with people saying that whether they mean it or not, whatever. But this was real fucking work in the emergency room for 18 months straight. And we never saw our families, man. The only time we would see our kids was if they stopped by while we were at our, our ER so that they could have dinner with us for 10 minutes. And then they would leave. And that was when I got to see my kids. You know, I missed out on a whole bunch of shit. Um, and I, you know, I always say that the ones that probably got it the worst, that they, they probably don't realize are my kids. And, I think I told you this too, is that, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, what's it like to own your own companies and, and to be a doctor and, and, and own these things. And I always tell them, you know, it's, it's, uh, this whole journey is full of first, you know, this entrepreneur journey is full of first, but it's not really the first that you think of, right? It's not really the first that you, you, you even look forward to at all. It's, it's the first time that you're going to miss a school function. It's the first time that you're not going to be home on a holiday. It's the first time that your family goes on a, on a vacation without you because you're too busy trying to grow your business. It's the first time you don't get to make it to a birthday party because that's, that's when I'm scheduled to work and my partner's already put in their time and we don't have other people to cover for, so I got to be there. Um, it's, it's those kinds of things that, that, that you, you take for granted until you're hit with it. And, um, you know, it's my kids that, you know, I, I don't want to say they got used to me not being there, but they accepted it. Sometimes I wasn't going to be there, and even now, sometimes I, I can't be there because I got to do something for the for the companies or one of them. Um, and it's just it's it's different, man. You know, and it's it's not stuff that I look forward to, but it was a necessary uh, that has allowed me to get to the point that I'm at now, um, and allowed us to allow me to provide the type of life that we're in now that I continue to only hope to get better. Um, but even still, you know, I, I go to a lot of my boys or my kids' practices now that I miss a whole fuckload of them on, you know. Mm -hmm. I, parents, you know, my kids' teams thought they didn't have a dad, you know, because I was never there. I could never make the games. I could never make practice. I could never do anything. Um, and, you know, but now, even now, I'll show up to, let's say, my son's soccer practice, and I'll be there, but I may have to be on the phone. You know, I may right. have to take a call in the middle of your practice, but I'm there, you know, and I'll see you. Uh, and that's just stuff that, you know, a lot of people can't stomach or they, they don't really want to deal with, you know, and those are the ones that are very happy with the sort of life that they have right now, whether it's, you know, it's working for whatever company they've worked with forever or doing whatever they do and kind of having that life. And, but it's just not me to, to accept that, you know, and to sort of just be that sort of standard life. It's just not me. And then again, I don't think it's wrong for somebody to want that. 
but if you want more, then you got to be able to put in that, that work and that sacrifice more than other people, other people will. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been fun. Like I said, it's a journey, right? It's, it's a journey of a whole bunch of ups and downs. And, you know, I think that, um, I think my journey is, I don't think I'm special in any way. I don't think anything that I do is, is special. It's just what works for me. But I think that my journey of becoming a physician and especially having my specialty and my exposure in that specialty has allowed me to put a lot into perspective in this business world or this business journey to where, you know, maybe I don't get as, you know, as, as stressed out as, as other people may get. And, and maybe I don't, you know, let things bother me is, is, you know, that may bother somebody else more in the same position. And I think it's just from the exposure that I've had and the stuff that I've had to deal with and go through with the medicine part of it, and my specialty again, that allows me to put a lot of stuff into perspective. Sure. Well, you know, I think, um, you know, I think this is super important because, you know, when people go into business for themselves, uh, entrepreneurs, and, you know, they think it's very different than the reality of what it really is. Unless, you know, unless, unless your father handed you the keys to the front door and said, hey, the place is paid off. I just need you to run it yours. All right. And, and people have, you know, there are people that, that, that happens, you know, not a lot, or, or maybe it's more than I think, but I don't know, but one, you know, one or two people that's happened to, and, and, and they probably don't really understand the struggle, but when you start, when you decide to go out on your own, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. I mean, that's all, all there is to it. And it looks like, from the outside, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? And and I had no idea what it was really like because I just thought being an entrepreneur or a business owner, that just mean you made a whole lot of money and you got to you know make your own hours and all that. You don't make your own hours, first of all. <laughs> the money is, man, you, you may or may not make money, that's for sure. But um, it's not as luxurious as people think it is i mean maybe it gets to that point but but then you got to step back and say well really does it because if your mindset is like mine or yours you never are really satisfied with just the one clinic or just the one hospital or just the one company there's always that that hunger for what else can I do? How, how many more people can I help by starting this other brand? You know, it depends how you look at it. Um, yeah, but I, and, and, you know, Ed Milet says it very well when he talks about blissful dissatisfaction, right? And, you know, before I heard that and before I got into Arte, um, you know, really, I just thought that I was fucking weird, you know, that maybe there was something wrong with me that, that, I was never going to be satisfied or I was never going to be happy. And, and I think it's important to understand that, that you can be happy and still want more, you know, be happy with, with where you're at. I'm, I'm happy with where my scribe company is. I am because we, we've done amazing, but I want it to be more, you know, I'm happy with the ERs that we've built, but I want us to have more. And, and I think it's that state that allows you that separates those that are destined to be great and those are destined just to be okay. 
You know, it, it's, it's, it's what separates the cleaners from the closers. You know, it's, it's what separates the top 1% and the top 1% of the 1%. You know, it's, it's sort of that mindset that you have to have. And, um, you know, and after being in the group and reading the books and, and actually it was, it was Tim Grover's book that I read that actually made me realize, well, shit, you know, maybe I am different. I'm not special by any means, but I am different. Yeah? And I'm different in, in terms of what I'm willing to do, what I'm willing to sacrifice and what I'm willing to go through, uh, whether that's good or bad, you know, because, you know, it's, especially if you're different and from your spouse in that aspect. Oh my God, you read my or, mind. I was, that was, that is exactly where I was going. It's very different, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with you being that way, but you, it, you also need to understand that other people aren't, you know, and right. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that or issues or obstacles that, that I've had is that, you know, my wife isn't that way, you know, and, and so it's very hard, very hard for her to see my point on it and to see what I see. And it's very hard for me to see where she's at with being happy with whatever, you know, um, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's a give and take kind of thing. And, and, and to be honest with you, it's, it's more take from my end than anything else. Uh, because I, I won't stop. Um, right. you know, I, I, I just can't. Right. And it's not in me to stop. Sure. Um, and so, and that's why I've done these other things. Um, and I'm willing to take risks and I'm willing to put in the work and I'm willing to not sleep and, and it's just it you know because quite honestly yeah it, it can be hard it can be but like i said the shit that i've gone through with the medicine really puts everything into perspective where it's not that hard for me it's not that big of a deal for me if, if something doesn't work out or it doesn't happen it could always be worse you know i mean we, we had that talk you know? yeah we, we did we, we had that talk and, and it could always be worse and um and I think those that, that can see that are the ones that continue to grow and the ones that can't walk and can't grow. That's true. You know, and I think, uh, you know, I think it takes a special, you know, you, you better be really, you know, your spouse better be really in love with you if you're an entrepreneur, because they're going to take a lot of the shit, you know, because when, when things are not going so great, guess what? You know, you may have to depend on them to pick up part of the slack or on the flip side, which is really, I don't know if one's worse than the other, but you've got then, well, then they have to take care of the family when things are in full swing. So, you know, you, you know, if you're marrying or you're, you know, in a relationship with somebody who's got the mindset like you and I, that you have to do more, you have to keep digging because it's almost like a, you know, you just have that internal fire inside of you that, that you just, you do want more. And it doesn't have anything to do with the money, right? It's just, it's not that you want more money. I want to pile up all this money. It's, you know, granted the money coming is great, but, but it's something else. If there's a different part inside of you that other folks don't have. And that's nothing bad, nothing wrong with it that they don't have that um, or that they do. But it's just different. And it's hard to explain to somebody who doesn't have it. You it's know true. what I mean? It, it is hard to explain. And it's hard to try to it, – it's, it's a losing battle when you're trying to make somebody see something that you see but they don't see. You know, and, and it, it you can you can 
spit it out until you turn blue in the face and they're still not going to see it. They may say that they see and they, they understand, but they don't understand because that's just not the way they're geared, right? It's just the way that I'm not geared to be complacent and to be, you know, satisfied with the status quo. I may say, fine, that's you. But in my head, I'm thinking, fuck, I don't do that. You know, that's not me. I don't understand how you can be like that. You know, it's just, it's just different, man. And not that one person is better than the other. It's just, it's different. It's just how we're wired and, and we're geared a little different. And, you know, shit happens. You're, you're right. You know, when, when shit hits the fan, shit hits the fan and everybody has to deal with it. But when things go great, everybody reaps from it too, you know. And, that's right. Uh, and that's why I always say, you know, regardless of how bad it gets with this whole entrepreneurship, and, you know, you name it, I've been through it with, with entrepreneurship. And I'm very blessed right now. Things are going great. And, and, and I'm doing amazing. It's great. You know, but there's always stuff that goes wrong. But things can always be worse, you know, things can always, and I've, I've been there for the worst. I've been there in those bad times, you know, with, with the whole medicine thing that, that I know shit can always be worse. So you, you always have to at least see the positive side of it, at least see, you know, keep that positive mindset and everything, you know, because, you know, it's, things can change, man, you know, and, 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 you know, you missing out on a contract or, you know, somebody telling you no or somebody fucking up at work on the site. It's not that bad. In, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad. You know? Nope. And, and lots of times, you know, lots of times you may be missing that contract or not getting it. That may, and quite honestly, probably was the best thing that could have happened for you. It just doesn't yeah. seem like it at the time. Yeah. I don't know, right? I mean, you, you don't know. And, and, you know, the cards aren't always in your hand. They're not always in your favor. And, and maybe it's for a reason. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's just hard to see that sometimes. Yeah. So it, It's just uh, different. Man. Like I said, I think that, that my training just has allowed me to make it, a, a, at least maybe selfishly, it's giving me an easier go in terms of going down this entrepreneur thing, right? And, you know, it, you know, like, like I said, when we last talked, you know, I've, I've been there at those times when, you know, when I've had to tell parents or I've had to tell this mom or tell this dad that they're never going to take their kid home again. You know, that they're never their baby open their eyes again, because even though I did everything that I could do for them, I wasn't able to save them. Right. And, and same thing where, you know, I got to tell, I got to tell the mom, the dad, the grandpa, the brother, the sister, that the last time they saw their brother, the last time they saw their grandpa, Last time they saw their grandma was the last time they're gonna see it. You know, and it's just it's it's different, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> What's up, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, stayed, um, he stayed home from school today, he was playing hooky. Ah, well, you know, every now and then it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's different, man. And and I like I said, that that kind of stuff, those kind of experiences where I've had to have those talks with these families. Is what really puts everything in perspective, especially in this business world where I know shit can be a whole lot worse. And this, whatever it is that I'm going through with this company, it's not that bad. Regardless of how bad it seems, it could always be a whole lot worse. And so you just got to That's absolutely true. So, where, um, so Lewis will wrap up, you know, this has been such an impactful. Um, conversation dude like you know every time I've talked to you has been super impactful you're such a just a, a great 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 dude to talk to um where can people find you on social and, and Kenny if you don't mind where can we where can they find your your companies your 
your your scrubs, especially, you know, your just name out all the places or one place where they can go, they can find all the stuff. Yeah, so they're, they're not all really listed in one specific location. You know, my, uh, I'm not really active too much on media, but I do have, you know, Instagram thing that I'll post shit that I think is cool every once in a while. You know, I'll, I'll post the UFC stuff, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and that, that handles at LC4th, so LC4TH. Um, but the companies themselves all have their own websites. You know, the, the, the scrub company, PC Threads, is www.pctredz.com. So it's Threads, spelled T-H-R-E-D-Z. Uh, and then each individual company has their own thing. You know, provide short scribe services, prestige emergency room, chocolate, that kind of stuff. That's awesome, dude. But really easy yeah. I was just going to ask you where does where does most I don't even know why I didn't ask this earlier but the chocolate where does uh, where does uh, is it does it come from different can you have different countries or what 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 kind of uh, our, our stuff uh, and to get into the specifics of that I, I actually have to talk to Mary because she's told me a few times and it just goes over my head but there's a specific uh, farming community that we get our chocolate from that we were very fortunate to get in with because we actually uh, got some of the the very first what's called um, ruby chocolate and so it's it almost looks like like strawberry dyed chocolate but that's the way it's actually made it comes with a different flavor to it. it's almost like a naturally occurring white chocolate you know white chocolate has that that special flavor to it it's like that but this truly is not modified at all that's just the way the cocoa beans came and that's how it's produced and it comes out pink wow and the company that we we deal with and get our chocolates from or our cocoa from um is is one of the few very few in the entire world that is able to produce that that's so cool we're one of the few companies that actually has a lot of the other ones like even some of the big name brands that you'll see out there they'll try to market oh well we have it too we have it too well they really don't what they do is they they modify it and they dye their chocolate so it looks like that but it's not really that very different wow that's very, that's super cool, dude. That's really, really cool. And um, one more time, Chocolatza, is that the name of it? Yeah, Chocolatzo. Chocolatzo. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That is super awesome. I will have to – and people can order that online, right? Yeah, man. Awesome. Super cool. Well, Louis, thank you so much. I appreciate you giving me your time today. Uh, this is – the listeners are going to love the shit out of this, period. I mean, I, I know they will, and uh, I – man, thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. I'm glad I could be on, man. Let's Absolutely. Have a good day. You too, brother. Thank you. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.